What does the Bible say about angels and demons? In the celestial realm, an endless war rages on. A battle between the forces of light and darkness, angels and demons. Spiritual warfare is all around us. But how does this supernatural conflict impact us? Can Christians be possessed by demons? Do guardian angels exist? Is it possible for me to see an angel? To learn how the Bible offers guidance on how to navigate this supernatural conflict and overcome the influence of evil forces, here is Pastor Jim Scudder Jr. with today's message. There was once a hunter who was hunting bear. Actually, he wasn't hunting bear. He was hunting for bear. And he was out in the woods and he found a bear. Some of you will get that in a minute. And he... There he is. He sees a bear. He raises his rifle, takes aim. He's about to pull the trigger. And suddenly the bear speaks to him and says, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you being so aggressive? Why are you being so violent? Why can't we just sit down and talk? And so the hunter said, well, what do you want to talk about? He said, well, what do you, what do you need? And the hunter said, well, I was out here hoping for a fur coat. And the bear said, oh, okay, well, let's sit down and talk about that. And the hunter said, what do you want? And, and the bear said, all I, all I want is a warm meal. And so after the negotiations were over, the bear walked away with his warm meal and the hunter with his fur coat. <laughs> May I suggest that you do not negotiate with the devil or his demons? Don't negotiate. I'm going to share with you that there is a very real realm of angels and demons. We've already talked about the angels, and certainly angels are very real. We know that from the Bible. We know that the Bible speaks of angels being messengers and, and an archangel that would be uh, the leader of the angelic army as they're fighting uh, on our behalf, maybe guardian angels. And we know that there's angels that brought messages in the Bible. There were even angels that people entertained not realizing they were angels. And so that was really interesting, wasn't it? As we went through what the Bible has to say about angels. And today we get to talk about the flip side. And that is fallen angels. The Bible might describe them as evil angels or demons. Even sometimes it says devils. So we're going to discuss this today, and I don't want it to freak you out. I don't want to scare you. But if there is such a nefarious being out there that doesn't want your good, he actually they actually want to harm you or to, to allow yourself to harm yourself, shouldn't we read through Scripture and be aware of what these evil beings are all about? So again, this is one of those things that I don't necessarily enjoy talking about, but if it's in Scripture, we ought to know it. We ought to to study it out and know uh, what these what these demons are and what the devil is. and And the first thing we're going to ask is, what in the world? Why would you know if all things are created by God? You know, we read that last time. All things were created by God. Why would He create a devil? Why would He create demons? Well, that's what we're going to study out. Uh, the first point of eight points today is where did the devil come from and where do demons come from? And I want to start by reading in Ezekiel 28 and verse 12. And I believe Ezekiel 28 starts off by talking about 
a real ruler of a city, of real city of Tyre. In the first 12, uh, 11 verses of Ezekiel 28, I believe, are referring to an actual ruler in an actual city in Ezekiel's day. But then it transitions. Instead of talking about the king of Tyre, now we're going to read about the, or the, uh, the prince of Tyre. Now we're going to read about the king of Tyre. The king of Tyre. And so, what is the difference? Well, I believe the king of Tyre is none other than Satan himself. We find in Daniel that there are evil beings that are put in places by Satan in places of power. And, and there are evil influences in government. Now, it shouldn't be. I think if there was a righteous person in government, then, uh, you know, the, the demons don't have power. But there are plenty of governments in our world today that don't have a righteous person in charge, and therefore they succumb to the demonic influence. Now, you, you might say, that's crazy, that's weird. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I believe the Bible is 100% true in, in every way, folks, okay? So if it sounds far out to you, let's just see what it says. And I think it also will help us to understand why there was a Hitler and why he did such demonic things. Or Stalin. I mean, you go through the list of awful, awful rulers. And I have to, I have to say, I have to conclude that the only thing that makes sense to me that people would do such just heinous things, terrible things, is there, there is a demonic influence in their life. Okay. So Ezekiel 28, I believe switching to this, uh, king of Tyre, Tyrus, uh, is maybe what your Bible will say, um, is a, uh, not the actual ruler of Tyre, but, but Satan himself. Verse 12, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom, and perfect in beauty. If this is Satan, which I think it is, as we're going to read in the next verse, then we have an angelic being that was created. We find his name in scripture. We'll read about that later. His name is Lucifer. Okay, I believe this is talking about Lucifer. Why? In verse 13, it says, Thou hast been in Eden. Okay, uh, We know that Lucifer was in Eden. The garden of God. Think about the Garden of Eden, the beauty of Eden, and, and the beauty of Lucifer, the beauty of the, the highest angelic being that God had ever created. Let's read about this beautiful creature. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. Think about the, the beauty. If Lucifer, this high created being of God, had all of these beautiful gemstones built in, it, he must have been just an amazing creature to look at. I don't know if, if you're mesmerized when you walk into a, a jewelry store, but you probably are impressed by the beauty of Diamonds and gems and, and crystals. 
We were out west this week filming for an upcoming series that talks about the secret to America's greatness. And it's a two-part series. The first part is going to Pike's Peak and explaining the story of the song, America the Beautiful, and then taking my grandkids and showing them our country. And we drove a lot and we went to a lot of places, beautiful places. But one of the most beautiful places wasn't the Grand Canyon or the Redwoods. It was a store. It was a store out west that we walked into, and it had the most fascinating things I've ever seen in my life. If I was a rich man, I would only shop in that store. My wife had to pull me out before I bought anything, because things were very expensive. And they had made all sorts of art and furniture with these uh, stones that they had uh, broken open, and the crystals are inside, and gems, and they had all sorts of uh, fossils, and it was just magnificent. You were just almost mesmerized by looking at the the color and the translucity and the beauty of all of these different objects. It was just incredible. And as I think about that, and I think about the beauty of those objects in that store, I think about how beautiful this creature would have been. And then it says about, I believe, Lucifer in his original creation, the workmanship the end of verse 13, of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Now, what in the world is that, the tabret? Well, the tabret, I believe here, it, well, we know for sure it is a musical instrument, a percussion instrument. It could have been small drums, and it also could have been a tambourine. We understand that, and when we hear the word tambourine, we understand what that is. And thy pipes. Now, the word here could mean like places where gemstones fit into, but I believe most other places in scripture where we get this word that we translate in English pipes, it's speaking of a wood a wind or a wind instrument. So I think if you look at tabrets as an, a percussion instrument and pipes as a wind instrument, you have here built into this beautiful being the ability to create music. Okay, I 100% believe that music is very powerful. We've had music in our service today, and I believe our music, we're careful to make sure that it is uh, bringing you to worship the one true God and, and not to feed your flesh and not to, to, to move you in any fleshly way, but to move you toward worship of the one true God. But I also know that music has been used by the world and even by Christians to move us in a fleshly direction. And I believe that music is a, a powerful instrument of good and of evil. And I believe that uh, the devil has been very successful in using music in the world, especially in our world today where we have music uh, at instant disposal. They use music, by the way, to make you buy more in stores. Did you know that? There's a whole science to that. Millions of dollars are spent to make sure they have the music playing uh, that you will uh, buy more stuff when you're in stores. Music is powerful. It really is. And so Satan, if he knows music and he hates God, it would only make sense that he's going to use music to move you away from God and not toward God. So be careful about music. Now, it says in verse 14, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. So if we're still talking about Satan, which I 100% believe we are, the king of Tyre, 
not the prince of Tyre anymore, the one that was in the Garden of Eden, the one that was covered with all of these uh, beautiful gemstones and diamonds. This angelic being that could play music internally was the cherub that covereth. What are the cherubs? Well, remember the cherubs were those angelic creatures, those angelic beings that were surrounding the throne of God. Also on the Ark of the Covenant were two cherubs. And I believe these are specially created angels that were continually in charge of bringing praise to God. Could there have been a fifth cherub in the original creation? The cherub, the chief cherub, the chief, the, the, the cherub that would have covered the throne of God. I believe that's exactly what Lucifer was created for, to bring praise to God in his beauty and in his music and in his being. leading. I think he was the choir director of the angels. I do. And so when he fell, what a horrible thing that must have been. God says, and I have set thee, continuing in verse 14, I have set thee so Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Now, we're not certain exactly what this means, nor the words that follow, thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. What in the world are the stones of fire? What is the mountain of God? Well, I know for sure the Bible speaks of a place that was called the mountain of God, Mount Sinai. I know it was at Mount Sinai that God directed two onyx stones to be carved in with the names of the tribes of Israel to be put on the shoulders of the high priest. And then on the breastplate of the high priest were 12 stones, gemstones that match up to what we just read covered Lucifer. Now, what are the stones of fire? I'm not positive, but I think it has something to do with the breastplate and the path that would have been walked if you follow those stones in order of the birthright. Or the stones that were upon the shoulders of the high priest. You say, was the mountain of God then uh, there before or during creation? Yeah, I think there must, why was that, why was Mount Sinai so important? Why was that place on the planet so important? Perhaps that was known even at creation as the mountain of God. And, and then, and, you know, maybe God had revealed that one day all of these precious stones that are upon Lucifer, his highest created cherub, his, his, his angelic choir director, maybe these now are going to be placed upon a man. And maybe that was part of the downfall of Lucifer. We know that he fell. And we know that at one time he was with God and he would walk the holy mountain of God and walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You know, all these gemstones, it takes heat and it takes pressure to create them. Could they be the stones of fire? Again, I don't know. I've researched this and I I really can't find an answer that satisfies me. It's the only place in the Bible we read about these stones of fire, by the way. But I think there has to be some connection with the gemstones and the onyx on the high priest. Anyways, verse 15, thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created. So we're reading that God created Lucifer over and over. We're reading that there's not the devil here and God here. It's not this, this battle of good and evil and, and, and we're not sure who's going to win. No, God created Lucifer. He gave Lucifer power, beauty, I think control of the earth as we'll see in a second. But certainly God wins. Absolutely God wins. There's no doubt about that. 
So that's why we need to be careful not to follow his influence or the, the demon's influence. You were perfect when you were created till iniquity was found in thee. We're going to talk about that moment later. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. Thou hast sinned, therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. So we have the devil created by God. You say, well, then who are the demons? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But I think Jesus spoke of the fall of Lucifer when Jesus in Luke ten eighteen talked about uh, Satan uh, like lightning falling from heaven. Okay, When did all of this happen? Well, Luke 4, verse 6 says, the devil said unto him, so what is this talking about? Remember, it's the temptation of Christ. The devil tempted Jesus three times. And one of those temptations was, if you will give, or I will give the power to thee that, that was delivered unto me. Who would deliver power to Lucifer? It would only be God. You say, well, why would God give power of the earth onto a being he knew would fall? So ultimately, God would receive glory for redeeming fallen man. Okay, I know that's hard to understand, and it's hard to make sense to that. And God doesn't create evil, and God does not do wicked things and, and hurtful things, but God has allowed it for a higher purpose and a higher glory. So that we can, even when we're in the midst of suffering, we can bring him praise for he is worthy. Volitional worship, willing worship to our great God. So the devil says, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them. He's giving Jesus this power. By the way, Jesus was going to take the power, not at this moment, But when he died on the cross and rose again, he took authority back at that moment. But here, if he would have taken it, there would be no savior. There would be no salvation. And it was delivered unto Satan at that time. But by the way, we're going to add another message to the series because I can't leave it at talking about demons and then not giving you the help you need to protect yourself from the devil and the demons. Okay, So we're going to do one more message on this. Uh, next time, talking about how we are to equip ourselves. Ephesians chapter 6 is what we'll be talking about. But one of, the, one of the ways you can combat the devil, I'll just give you a preview, is to answer temptation with Scripture. That's what Jesus did. He actually quoted God verbatim. Okay, Make sure you know exactly what God says. Eve didn't quote God's word verbatim, did she? She left some things out. And, and that's how subtle Satan is. It sounds right. It sounds like the Bible, but you leave out a word. You leave out some inflection. And it's not God's word anymore. Okay? So when did this happen? When did Satan fall? Well, everything was good after day six of creation, right? So if you were to ask me, I would say if God gave Lucifer authority on this earth. I think it had to have been, of course, before the fall. 
But I think the fall didn't happen too long after creation because Adam and Eve hadn't had children yet. So I think sometime after day six, when, when Lucifer realized that God had created these beings that were in his image and his likeness and, and, and there was something special about these, more special than any of the other creation of the animals of the birds, but this was some, something that was created in the image of God, there was a jealousy there. There was a jealousy there and Satan lifted, was lifted up in pride and he wanted what God had. So my feeling was sometime right after day six is when he fell. Look at Isaiah 14. In verse 12, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? Look at verse 13. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Oh, be careful about pride. Be careful about lifting yourself up. You say, I would never do that. Well, we do sometimes, don't we? When something takes the place of church, when something takes the place of your fellowship with God, your worship to God. Verse 14, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Do you hear a recurring phrase here? I will. What did Jesus say? Not my will, but thine. The Christian life is learning to submit to God's will over our will. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. People have asked me, why would God, who is love, who is good, create a place so awful as hell? Well, I'll tell you this. I believe hell was created not for us, but for the devil and for the demons. But that is the only place left for those that reject God's love. There is a real place that burns forever. The destination of any person that is a sinner, which we all are, that don't receive the free gift of salvation. John writes about what I believe is the fall of the demons in Revelation chapter 12. In verse 3, it says, There appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon. I believe that is the devil. Okay. Then in verse 4, it says, His tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. Earlier in Revelation, it talked about a star falling from heaven. I believe that's Satan falling. And a third part of the stars of heaven are the demons. The, when, when Satan fell, we know there are demons. When Satan fell, he drew, I believe, this verse tells us, a third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. So, so a third of, of the good angels are now demons or fallen angels or evil angels. And there's fiery eternal punishment reserved for Satan and the demons, and they still have power on the earth today. And, and until halfway through the tribulation, they still actually have access to heaven right now. You say, well, why would God allow Satan to have access? We know he does because in Job, you know, Satan appeared before God. Uh, in, in the New Testament, the Bible says that, that Satan is accusing you before God right now. Well, he still has access to, to God today. But halfway through the tribulation, we read about the devil being cast out and the devil knowing he doesn't have much time. 
And then all hell breaks loose on the earth. So I believe that's the, the, where we get demons and where, where, where Satan comes from. Uh, created being that fell. Created beings that have fallen. Then the second thing is, did the evil angels follow Satan by choice? Yeah, I believe that angels are uh, moral free agents. They have the ability to choose. And some chose to rebel. It's hard to imagine. In Job, the Bible says that God charged the angels with folly that fell. Now they're seducing spirits, 1 Timothy 4, 1 tells us. That these, these demons are seducing spirits. Uh, and they're, they're trying to seduce you. They're trying to trick you. Now, you say, well, if I have received by faith Jesus Christ, doesn't the Bible say that I am indwelt by the Holy Spirit and therefore could, could I be possessed by a demon? Can I be influenced or oppressed by a demon? Well, I'm going to answer that in a minute, okay? That's a good question, though. We have to think about that. And I certainly think that demons are attempting to influence us and they're doing it by their own free will. By the way... God never offered angels or angels or demons salvation, right? Now, now good angels wouldn't need salvation because they haven't fallen, but God hasn't offered demons. And there's, you know, a passage in James that talks about uh, demon faith. You all know demon faith. The demons believe. Yeah, they do believe. They don't believe that at the end they're going to be in hell, but they certainly believe Jesus is the Christ. And they're not saved. Well, yeah, because the salvation, it's not because they didn't have the right type of faith. It's because they can't be saved. Okay. That was never offered to them, but it was offered to us. And that's amazing, isn't it? And angels still wonder about that today, that God would save us when he isn't offering salvation to the demons. How many demons are there? Well, Jesus once asked a man possessed with a demon or demons, what is your name? And that demon replied, legion. Now, legion is in the thousands. And I know there are many, if, if there was a third of the angels that fell, and the Bible tells us that 10,000 times 10,000 of angels, so we know there's at least 100 million angels, probably more. A third is 33.3 continue million angels, uh, demons that fell, okay? So there's a lot. I'll just put it that way. There's a lot, okay? They're numerous. And, and they're so numerous that it actually, in the Bible, seems like Satan has power that is omnipresent, but he doesn't. Satan can only be at one place at one time. God is omnipresent. But because of his minions, because of his demons, it, it might seem like his Ability is everywhere at all, all time, but, but it's not. It's not. And that's a wonderful thing to know. Now, 2 Peter 2, 4 tells us that some of these demons are now chained. Okay. Uh, it says, for if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. So there are a, a segment of those however many millions of fallen angels that are already right now in chains. We actually read about that in Revelation. Uh, look at Revelation 9. It says, verse 1, The fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. 
And so this is in the tribulation time when Satan is cast out of heaven. He comes down and opens the bottomless pit and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth and upon them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Well, that's frightening, isn't it? Aren't you glad as a born again believer, you don't have to go through the tribulation period? So there are some angels that have done something so heinous that they are right now still in chain. They're, 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 whatever they did, they are not allowed to operate. But there are still free evil angels. So what are they doing right now? Well, that's the fourth question. Uh, in the Bible, we find that some obtain the bodies of men. We find in the Gospels, demon possession. And in Acts, we find demon possession. Let's look back at the story of, of the man that had the legion, maybe a couple thousand demons in him. It says in Luke eight twenty seven, and when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in tombs. How frightening. How crazy. In your handout, this should be verse 29. And he was kept bound with chains and in fetters. He brake the bands and he was driven of the devil into the wilderness. Demon possession. And this is an extreme case. But this was a man so possessed that he had this supernatural strength as they would try to bind him. This wild, crazy man. They would bind him and he would break those chains. Now, of course, we know Jesus freed him from that demonic oppression. But we know that demons can do just heinous things. How do we know? In Psalms 106, 37, it says that they sacrifice their sons and daughters unto devils. I believe the demons are why we abort babies today. I believe the demons are why they would uh, sacrifice, uh, put, a, put a baby onto a, a fire. Uh, or throw, throw a child into a cenote as they did in the Mayan culture. I mean, how, how, can, how could humans do such things? I think it has to be demonic activity. What are they doing now? They're, they're causing havoc. Now, can we cast out demons? That's a good question. Can we cast out demons? I'm not sure if we can or can't, but I know if I'm in the middle of a situation, I'm sure going to try to cast out a demon in the name of Jesus. I remember the story that I experienced. One of the times that I think we may have been in the presence of a demon-possessed person. And we were in a village in India. And this village was very much into worshiping false gods. And I think the more that you're into false god worship, um, demonic, uh, occult activity, the more you're going to see demon possession. We found it. Um, we found it in Scripture. We know that there were people in Scripture, in the, in the Gospels, that were involved in demonic or occultic activities. But this was a woman that was uh, in tribal dress. All of them were tribal dress. And they were greeting us. And this one woman all of a sudden just went crazy. And made the most awful sounds. And, and kind of rushed at us. And dad was there. So we're all sitting there wondering. What is dad going to do? It just seemed like this was a case of demon possession. And so he shouted, in the name of Jesus, I command you to be cast out. 
and it stopped. Okay, I'm not saying that's biblical. I'm not saying that what we should do. I'm just saying when you're in a situation, I don't know why we wouldn't use the name of Jesus. Okay, so I don't know. I know that in Luke it tells us that the, the demons can voluntarily vacate the bodies. If you want to look that up later, it's Luke eleven twenty four. But we know that these are evil, intelligent, wise, and powerful beings. They're not humans, but they are individuals. They have knowledge. They have faith. They have feelings. They have wills. They have miraculous powers. They have emotions, and they have desires. And they still are in existence today, carrying out the will of Satan. Number six, can Christians be demon-possessed? I will tell you this. I am positive that Christians who are born again, people that have put their trust in Jesus for their, own, for their salvation, Jesus alone, cannot be demon-possessed. Why? Because it says in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that is in you, that is the Holy Spirit, than he that is in the world. And so you don't have anything to worry about as far as possession, but I certainly do believe that demons try to affect us in negative ways. They try to trip you up. Maybe there's a whisper that they, that they give you, a thought that they give you. I don't know if they can give you thoughts. I don't know if Satan can give you thoughts, but certainly I remember when I was a kid and, and I did something wrong and I don't remember how old I was, but I don't think I was very old. And I'd heard dad preaching about the, the devil and uh, how the devil tries to, you know, get us to sin. And, and so dad, I did something wrong and dad confronts me. Jimmy, why did you do that? So I'd used all my theology that I had and I said, uh, dad, the devil made me do it. The look on his face, I wish I'd captured that somehow. He, he just yelled at me, the devil did not make you do that. You did it because you wanted to do it. So listen, don't blame the devil for everything, okay? Don't blame God, but certainly don't blame the devil. I, I think it's just, we, we want what we want. We're going to do what we're going to do. It's the, it's the old nature. It's the flesh. It's the, it's the rebellion that we just innately have in us. And so dad did what every good parent does. He drove the devil out of me. <laughs> but I don't believe uh, Christians can be demon-possessed. I believe that we can be. If we're not walking with God, we certainly be, can be demon-oppressed. Okay, But if you walk with God, you have nothing to worry about. And again, I'll tell you all that next time. Number seven, are demons part of divination or fortune-telling? Okay. I will say absolutely yes. Let's, let's look at this. In Acts 16, there's a really interesting story. In verse 16, it talks about a girl who was possessed. Okay, This girl had a demon of divination. And Paul is saying this girl met us, which brought her master's gain by soothsaying. So, so she was predicting the future for people. You've seen those fortune tellers, uh, tarot cards, crystal ball, all of that stuff. So of the devil, folks, don't mess with it, okay? And they were making money because she was predicting the future, or, or at least seemed like she was. I think a lot of that's trickery, it's sleight of hand, but it, it, it's, it's demonic, okay? And then she, because Paul <clears throat> is casting out demons and, and, and getting people saved, this girl's following Paul and cried, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation, you say, wait, wait a second. Why would a demon speak the truth? Right? Well, Paul stopped her and Paul cast out that demon. And the servant girl's owners who had been exploiting her for money were 
now not having that income that they had. And it caused a huge uproar and a huge problem. So why was this girl, why was this demon speaking truth? Because if the demons can ally themselves with truth, it's going to confuse people. It's going to make people not understand what's happening. And I think that's exactly what was happening here. And there's a lot of detail into that. And it would be a whole other sermon to talk about um, this girl and uh, the, the, the spirit that she had. But either way, we know that there is the demons do try to affect you for sure and trip you up and, and tempt you. So we have to be aware of that and know that. So how should we fight Satan? How should we fight his demons? Well, we're going to go into this in detail, but in Ephesians 6, the Bible tells us in verse 12 that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Does that not describe the devil and the demons' operations on this planet today? Absolutely does. I think it's demonic that people are telling little kids that they were born in the wrong sex or the wrong gender. That's demonic. And to give, and to give the children medication or hormones or surgery when, when, you know, maybe there's such a thing as gender dysphoria where sometimes there's some confusion. There's a lot of confusion when you're a teenager, right? But, but to, 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 to look at the situation and tell people that you need to be a different sex or different gender or multiple or sexuality can be, you know, whatever you want it to be these days, that's demonic. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Okay? It says principalities here that I think that we can translate to say governments. The plurality of the principalities suggests that there's demons or maybe a prince or a king set up over each principality. When Daniel was waiting for his prayers to be answered, he learned from Gabriel that the delay was a demonic galactic battle. In Daniel 10, 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in 20 days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me and I remained there with the kings of Persia. So we see in that instance, the prince of the king of Persia was not Cyrus, the king of Persia, but an evil angel assigned to the rulers of Persia. So Hitler and Stalin and other evil men, I believe, were demon-possessed. And that would explain why they could slaughter millions of people. So in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, the Bible says to be sober, to be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. But he's not going to appear like that. He's going to appear subtle as an angel of light. He's going to use trickery and subtlety to, to trick you. Be careful. Be careful. But God is all powerful. Satan is not. Satan does have power on this planet. God has yet to rescind that power. But God has already defeated the devil. The battle is already done. Okay? So you just have to remember that. And anytime you feel like there's some sort of an oppression or demonic activity going on, here's what you need to remember is I'm on the winning side. I don't have to worry about that lion. I'm not going to negotiate with them. I'm going to use scripture. I'm going to repeat back what I know God has said. 
I'm going to be sober. I'm going to be aware. I'm going to be vigilant. I'm going to be prepared that I'm never fooled by the devil or his, his minions, his demons. Because Satan doesn't know he has lost. I think he still thinks there's a chance of winning. Ephesians 6, 13 says to take upon us the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. What is that? Well, there's a lot of pieces of the armor. Some are defensive. Some are offensive. We are to be equipped. We are to make sure we are ready. Why? That we may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Folks, I hope that I didn't scare you too much today by talking about demons and the devil and Satan and Lucifer and all of these things. But I also want to make sure that you are aware of what's happening around you and that you are every day protecting yourself and going against that demonic activity. That's part of what we are to be doing on this planet today. We are to be both salt and light. When people are saying things that are against God, are rebellious against God, are sinful, we need to be people that will take stands. In love, but take stands. We don't hate anybody here. We actually know that God so loved the world and every person, even if they're espousing wicked things, God still loves them, and we must too. But we still have to take stands against some of the things that they're saying that are ungodly and that are harmful and that are probably from the pits of hell. So how do we combat the devil? How do we combat the demons? Well, the, the, the most important thing is every day be in a close fellowship with God. That's the, that's the key. Don't, don't yield to temptation. How do we do that? Well, yield to the Spirit. You have the Spirit of God indwelling you. You have the Spirit of God that will help you get through these oppressive times, these demonic things that are coming your way. And sometimes the bad things that are in our life, it's because we just chose the wrong thing and we have to pay the consequences. Sometimes the bad things in life are just because we had no fault in it. We, you know, There are things that just happen. And we know that Jesus said that so that he can receive a greater glory. Do you understand a little better that there are powers that are in operation around this planet, around this world? But we don't have to fear those things. Be aware, but don't fear. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Are you saved? Have you, do you have the Spirit of God dwelling in you? Do you know Jesus Christ the Savior? The Bible says that we're sinners. Just like Satan fell, Eve was tempted and she fell. Adam was tempted and he fell. So have we all fallen short of the glory of God. Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen? Have you ever lusted? Have you ever not done the right thing? When you should have helped someone, you didn't. You were busy, you were tired. You just wanted to do something else and you didn't do it. You say, well, is that a sin? Yeah, it's a sin of omission. You have sins of commission where you're committing sins, but you're also sometimes not doing the right thing, and that's just as much of a sin. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and that's what the devil wants. The devil wants you to sin. The devil wants you to go against God. The devil wants you to rebel. 
But there is salvation for sinners. Not for angels, but for sinners. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yesterday we were standing at the Golden Gate Bridge and it was totally enveloped in clouds. What a beautiful sight. The Golden Gate Bridge that you cannot see. And there we were standing with the clouds behind us and every now and then you'd see a little piece of the bridge poke out and it was just the last moment we had and it was the end of the episode and I had Willow and Charlie with me, my grandkids, and I said, hey, Willow and Charlie, would you guys help me with the gospel? And so one of them quoted John 3.16. It's a wonderful verse that tells us that God loves us, that God created us and Jesus died for us and if you'll put your trust in him, you'll be saved from hell to heaven. And then the other one quoted Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. I don't know how much stuff we bought those kids on that road trip, but every gift shop we went and bought them something else. And they totally understand what a gift is. Do you understand what a gift is? Gift is something that is given free. It's offered free. It's received free. And if you will receive the gift of eternal life freely, knowing that Jesus is God in the flesh, he died for you on the cross, and he rose again the third day, and you believe in him, you're receiving this gift called eternal life, and you'll be saved from hell to heaven. You'll also be filled with the Holy Spirit and ultimately protected against the onslaught of the devil. Now, we also need to protect ourselves. We need to put on the whole armor of God. But in the end of the day, God has you. God has you in his hand, and you don't have to fear that anymore.